It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Anthony and I pick each and every game and try to squeeze in a dose or two of analysis as well. Coming up at 5.30, but 5 o'clock means it's time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Joining us today is my good friend, Adam Amin, play-by-play from Fox Sports. He's on the call with Mark Schlereth this weekend for Commanders and Dolphins. Adam, hello, my friend. Good to talk to you as always, buddy. Uh, Thanks for the time here on the show. Uh, You just got done uh, talking theoretically to uh, Ron and, and EB and Sam and everybody out in Ashburn for your production meetings out there um I, 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 I let me start even broader than just like what you talked about how surprised are you that you're in this spot calling a game against uh obviously the dolphins who we expect to be pretty good and a commander's team that's not even remotely in it anymore considering what we thought this team could be and, and where we were last time we talked about them earlier in the season when they started off two and oh yeah you you and i had this conversation i was in the same hotel and uh we were talking about <laughs> the kind of buzz around the two franchises in the towns and areas that we reside. And I was talking about the bears having a very similar buzz that the commanders had around them. And fortunately they've had similar seasons, both teams sitting at four and eight after all that. So yeah, I am a little bit surprised, but I guess I'm not in the sense that like that's, that's what you're supposed to have at the start of a season, right? It's supposed to be hope springs eternal week one and things in this league shift so drastically, so quickly. It's part of the reason we love the sport. It's part of the reason we love this league so much. It's because of the twists and turns that they take and, you know, trying to put your finger on it is the hard part. Like what has taken place over the course of, you know, three months now, essentially to the point that we're discussing a team without much, chance for the playoffs at this point you know they're 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 just hoping to have a strong finish to the season so where, what are we talking about and I think I am uh, very surprised in that sense um I think the, the the I was expecting a little bit more but I think also when you go into a season you're looking at all the positives you're leaning into all the positives and the negatives start to develop over time and those positives get washed away when the results aren't there and that's if nothing else, it's a microcosm of what a bottom line based business does to people and their perception. Like this is a bottom line business. The results, I, I was talking with the enemy today and, and I even said at one point we were talking about patience with, with, uh, you know, young players and you know how there was a blueprint in Kansas city and this and that. And I go, they don't, they don't ask how, how they ask how many at the end of it. Right. And he was, you know, he was laughing and in the context that, you know, it was a, it was a, a, a fun line to deliver and, I think he got the he, he got the same, you know, he had that same sense. Like you're you're just trying to win. You're just trying to win games. Whatever method fashion it takes to get there is you know, you're just trying to win games. And when you don't do that, that's when you start to parse a lot of the negatives and rightfully so. That's what you get when you have a big money business. No doubt. And it actually that specific to be enemy was a huge part of the conversation on the show yesterday where there is a lot of you can call them excuses, call them reasons, call them whatever you want of why uh, some of the things he's trying to do may not have clicked yet with the young team. But 
these games count. And like, there is precedent for new coordinators and new coaches going places and implementing things faster and winning because the development is great over the long term. but these games count. How did he respond to kind of that, that part of the conversation and the, the job that he has been trying to do and is continuing to try to do this season? Well, uh, we, we talked a lot about blueprint and, and that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a lot about Kansas city because that's the most recent experience. And Frank, it's the most successful experience, you know, like you want, you're obviously going to shadow and mirror the things that, you know, made you most successful at a different location. And I'm, I know fans in Washington are tired of it, right? You don't want to hear about the chiefs because you're not the chiefs. You want to hear about how this team is going to be better. But when you look at Mike McDaniel, and what Miami's doing offensively and the explosive nature of what they've done this season, what's the conversation around? Well, he came from San Francisco. This is a very San Francisco-like scheme. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's regardless of wins and losses, your past is, is going to follow you. At least your recent past is going to follow you to determine what kind of perception that fans are going to have of, of what, what you're trying to develop. So uh, I get that it's, tiresome to hear about Kansas City but from the big picture perspective of somebody like me who's not exposed uh, to commanders football every week and doesn't have to talk about it every single day and comes in with the 30,000 foot perspective that that comes with this job I I do want to hear about well I saw you week one now I'm seeing you 12 weeks later what's you you, what are you taking from the blueprint so that conversation took place and I think you know I don't I don't that that's not a criticism of, of Eric because that's everybody that that's that's anybody wants to make sure that you know they that they they have a blueprint in mind they have a structure an infrastructure a skeletal system in mind that allows you to find some level of success based on what you've seen in the past and a lot of this is just elements you know talent is everywhere this is a talent a league of talent you know everybody's talented there's a reason you're playing in the NFL it's can you execute at the level uh, that that is required of you the way that the Kansas cities of the world in the last several years, the San Francisco's, the Philadelphia's, uh, the way that these teams have executed, can you can you actually recreate that? That's the question right now. So that is an interesting conversation to have with Eric, certainly now uh, compared to what it was, you know, three months ago. And I'll just go ahead and put the first round of drinks on you tomorrow for the phrasing. I don't have to talk about the commanders every day. I thank you for understanding my burden. Uh, I will, I will, I will certainly take the first, if not the second round as well for you guys. Okay, That's no you. problem. Thank you. Uh, Adam Amin is with us, Fox Sports uh, play-by-play. He and Mark Schlereth on the call this weekend. So the obvious big story going into this game is this is Rivera's first time calling plays since 2019. Uh, he is, it has been a long, long time for him. Uh, 2019-2018, actually, I think, when he, he started calling them again uh, in the middle of that season. Um, so it's been a long time is the point. Um, you probably have that, that stat correct because you're a play-by-play man and I have to talk about Commander's football every day point is uh how, how what was the conversation like with ron specific to being back involved with the defense and and having that level of detail and that level of responsibility as opposed to being an overseer like he has been since he got here yeah i think uh yeah it, it was 19 he said i asked him i was like was it 19 and he goes yeah that was the last time i i had a, a hold in it and and it was a little bit different then too because it was a team of young, young, young players, a defense of young, young, young players. And that was part of the reason that he had taken over play calling duties. Whereas here, it's a lot different of, you know, it's a different circumstance where you have to take over in the middle of the year with a veteran team that's been used to having one voice call, you know, call, call your maneuvers over the course of, of the first three months of the season. So it's a little bit of a different situation now. 
there doesn't seem to there. I don't. I can't imagine much of a schematic change for Washington, just kind of based on the conversations. I can't really imagine one. I think if you're going to see anything different, it's going to be Miami-based, right? I mean, what does Miami do? They go for big plays. They have the are you know the fastest wide receiver duo in the NFL and arguably the fastest player in the league right now in Tyree Kill. So you're naturally going to play you know a little bit further back. You're going to have to play almost like a shell in some capacity because you have to keep things in front of you and you have to be able to tackle. So the calls themselves I, might be a little bit different, but I don't think that's going to be uh, you know coinciding with Ron taking over play calling over Jack Del Rio. I think that has more to do with what the what the what offense you're going to see. Think about that too. You're Ron Rivera. You haven't called plays in four years, and the first time you do, you have to go up against you know the team that has put put together about as many explosive plays as any other team in the league, right. and is as creative of an offense as we have in the NFL right now. And and creative, you can use that term however you want to. I think the thing is there's a lot involved. It's very complex in terms of what you see, even though the actual execution of it may not be that complex. Right, um, which is the – it's funny because, it, like, you and I, I don't think, have talked about this, but the way you just phrased that is almost exactly what I would say about Del Rio's defense in reverse was it was very complex to execute – and it actually wasn't that complex to solve. And that's why um, the biggest reason why he's no longer here. Um, and one of the words that Ron has used to say, this is how it will change is we're going to simplify. We're going to pare it down. I know sometimes in production meetings, you guys get stuff that you're, you know, with the understanding that you'll use it during the broadcast, but maybe not in a radio hit on a Friday uh, because there is a little bit more schematics that they'll give you guys uh, that they don't want Miami to have. But to the extent that you can share um, and whatever he shared with you, uh, what what kind of simplification, what did he talk about in terms of paring this defense down and making it easier for his players to play? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I've had probably three coordinators at various points this year, at various points this year, say the same thing, uh, whether it's on offense or defense. And it's, it's typically on defense. But uh, I've had multiple coordinators say similar things about paring things down. And all it means is there's less checks and it's more about finding areas. And again, that, that also plays into what the schematic is, you know, playing a little bit more of a, of a shell and a little bit more of a simplified coverage scheme and trying to be more conscientious of space rather than the players themselves, rather than the opponent, them, you know, individually. Rather than, so, for example, like in this game, I would, I would say, like, instead of thinking of it as Tyree Kill, you just have to think of it as the receiver who is, based on formation, going to occupy a certain space, or his goal is to occupy a certain space. That might be over the top, but it, more often than not, we're, when we're discussing some of the schematic things, we're talking about space in the middle of the field or at the top of the numbers on a release, and it's got to be exactly 15 and then to this area of the field to where you might have safety help. Like There's, there's a, a little bit less involvement of pre-snap stuff I think that has a lot to do with it, and that's been a common theme when I've talked to coordinators. Like, you know, the really complex defenses, the really good defenses around the league uh, have a tendency to have multiple checks and calls. Same way with an offense, right? We're, we're used to talking about this on the offensive side of the ball and less so on defense. But, you know, good offensive teams do oftentimes have plenty of checks. They have confidence in their quarterback. I think Detroit is one of those teams where – you know, 70 to 75 percent 
of their plays are probably going to be have a have a can on them, meaning uh, you can the first play and go to the second play. So 75% of the time when Jared Goff is going to the line of scrimmage, he's going with two plays. And based on the coverage he sees or based on the front, he's going to either stick with the initial play call or you'll hear, this is when you watch a TV broadcast and you hear the quarterback go, can, 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 or kill, kill, kill. That's moving on to the second play that they called in the huddle. Oftentimes it's killing to a run play. Oftentimes you're going to the line of scrimmage with a pass in mind based on the protection and you either kill it to the second coverage or uh, to the second protection scheme, or you kill it to a run play. That's a similar thing in complex defenses where you see the initial front of the offensive line or the formation of the offensive line. You see where the running back and wide receivers are lined up. And based on that, you either stick with the coverage call or the pass rush call or the run blitz call that you had on the first call, or you kill it to the second or you have your whatever signal word uh, that particular defense uses to get to the second play or second coverage or second pass rush or second run blitz. So uh, I think that's going to be a little bit more pared down is my guess. Part of that is the schematic because of who you're facing in Miami and their explosive nature and trying to keep everything in front. And part of that is Ron, I think, taking over play calling duties and trying to keep things a little bit more simple, focus on space, spatial awareness, and obviously sound tackling. A few more minutes with Adam Amin, Fox Sports, here on The Hoffman Show. Uh, Talking to Mike McDaniel compared to talking to every other coach in the league is like what? We're going to find out tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) Oh, you haven't had him yet. So so it's funny because, you know, a lot of of teams will meet on Zoom, you know, on Thursdays with uh, with the road team. But, you know, we've tried to keep it a habit on our crew to meet with, at least the coaches on Saturday in person, or at the very least get them on zoom on Saturday, a, because you get a little bit more, you know, like they, they just know more by Saturday in terms right. of personnel who's in, who's out, but also just cause like, it, it's nice to be able to get people in person and we, and our crew takes a lot of pride in just being able to look somebody in the eye and, and get a story out of them or get some information out of them. I, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what to expect. Like, I don't know if it's, it's an act, if it's half an act or, and he's half serious, I don't know if he's completely serious. Like this is, this has like Jim Harbaugh feel to it, but not in a bad way. Like cause Harbaugh kind of has like an act basically that he puts on for TV people, uh, at least based on what I've heard from, from some of his former players and being in the room with him a couple of times when I used to cover Michigan and cover college football. So I just don't know what to expect when it comes to Mike McDaniel, man. Like it's funny. Everything I hear is funny. His, his, uh, you know, kind of idiosyncrasies are, at the very least entertaining to me and I knowing a little bit and hearing a little bit about his background, it's a really good story, you know, and I I'm, I'm excited to get a chance to actually kind of dive into his mind a little bit because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. I mean, there just aren't a lot of Ivy league graduate, super idiosyncratic uh, coaches in the NFL, nevertheless head coaches who also wear Gucci or off white sneakers every week. Like he's just, he's so one of one, uh, did you watch? Did you watch Hard Knocks this week in preparation for this game? Did that get to count as prep for you? I've seen I've seen plenty of clips by this point, and pretty much all the funny clips that I wanted to see, I've I run into <laughs> various points. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of material. Um, and last but not least, you mentioned uh, Detroit, and that that triggered another thought for me, bigger picture outside of this game for this organization, because you do get the chance to sit down with so many people around the league, the the head coaches, the coordinators. 
Is there anybody in particular that stands out to you as a great head coaching candidate that you've had just a really great conversation with? Obviously, when you said Detroit, like Ben Johnson's the guy that I'm super interested in. He's the top of my list for Washington, assuming they make a move this offseason. But as you sit down with some of the coordinators around the league, who are some of the guys that stand out to you the most? I mean, I, I still yeah, – Ben Johnson's probably at the top of that list for sure. Um it's a it's a it's a it's a great thought, and there are guys in Seattle that I've always walked away impressed by. Uh, I'm not sure if Shane Waldron is necessarily ready for for that for that slot. You know, when you work under Pete uh, Carroll in Seattle, then you're you're not you don't have you're you're really focused on your side of the ball. It's not much of a CEO role. Whereas you know you go to you go to Detroit. You know, Dan Campbell's got his hands in the offense. Obviously, been an offensive minded player, and he gives Aaron Glenn a lot of leeway on defense, but I feel like, you know, Ben Johnson is that it's him and Jared Goff, you know, and I think that's what you're looking for. And and I I know there are other examples out there. I haven't felt I honestly I, I and I don't mean this as an insult to anybody. I really haven't run into anybody outside of a Ben Johnson this year that I walked away and said that guy's got to be a head coach. Like that guy has to be in a position to to run something. Raheem Morris probably, I think. Uh, you know he's he's had opportunities in the past uh, in Atlanta as an interim, I think, and then before that, I think it was Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, I think he'd be he'd be great, uh, a great candidate to get back the Rams' defensive coordinator. Um, certainly, uh, Ben is at the top of the top of that list, probably for a lot of teams. Certainly, Carolina is going to be looking at him because that's that's where he hails from. But honestly, I haven't really walked away just absolutely blown away by anybody, and that's fine. That doesn't mean that they're not ready for for that position or that they wouldn't be capable. I think it's more about there's, there's very few dynamic personalities out there right now. Cause everybody's pretty guarded. Everybody's trying to figure out their way. There's a lot of young coordinators. We have a lot of under like 40 and under coordinators now in the game. So it's not, you know, it's not what we saw 10 or 15 years ago where every coordinator was like Wink Martindale or, you know, Wade Phillips, or, uh, you know, we, we had uh, Dean Pease and, you know, just these uh, Dick LeBeau, just all these like veteran names, uh, mostly on the defensive end, but a lot of veteran names. I, it's just not the case anymore. A lot of these offensive coordinators are the younger set, the some of the Ivy League guys, some of the you know analytics guys who have been able to figure out how play calling fits their systems or, or the systems that they worked in under whoever was their offensive coordinator. I'm I'm not blown away by a whole lot of people. That's why Ben Johnson's going to be as highly sought after as anybody in the league right now. Yeah, and thankfully for Washington, uh, with the ownership change, this is going to be a hot destination, and hopefully uh, yeah, it just confirms or pushes me farther into Ben Johnson's corner as the guy that I would like to come here. Uh, Adam Amin on the call, Fox Sports on Sunday. Uh, can't wait to see you tomorrow, and then I'll come. I, I, told, I promised Schlereth that I'd come say hi in the broadcast booth, so you're going to have to see me two days in a row. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm really upset about that, but <laughs> I know you're just you you just take your time tonight without me, and um, I'll see you tomorrow. I appreciate it, pal. Thank you. See ya. Uh, that is Adam Amin with us here on the Hoffman Show again. Uh, he and Stink on the call on Sunday. Um, God, he's so good. He's so good at his job. He's so smart, and he's he's just legitimately one of my favorite people on the planet. So always love spending some time with him, letting y'all enjoy his insight here on the radio. When we get back, uh, speaking, you know, of just my favorite people who I love to let y'all hear the insight from my man, Anthony Haney's on a hot streak. Don't jinx me, Craig. 
Don't jinx me, please, sir. Is that fragile? I, I don't know. It remain- old, <laughs> you're scared of a little old announcer's jinx? It remains to be seen. Let's see if I can keep it up. That's all I'll say. Okay. We got we got a whole weekend slate of games. We're both one to know. Thanks to the Cowboys holding on for dear life last night uh, over the Seahawks. What a Man, game that was. That nine uh, and a half. Stinky. Yep. Yep. I mean, congrats to the Seahawks for getting healthy and, and you know, showing. It just also, though, makes you so mad. You're like, Seahawks, are they that much better offensively than, than Washington is? Because Washington scored 10. And Seattle scored 35. But that's also how you scheme up against man defense. Some of the, the, the route concepts that they had, the, the end zone stuff. Dude, the red zone, really good. He was dialing some stuff like, up for Dan Quinn. Like, he – I'm glad that Adam mentioned his name. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I don't for the reasons that Adam mentioned, I'm not sure he's a head coach candidate yet. Yeah. But he's going to be. And – at the very least, like the problem is they're two different jobs, like being an OC and being a head coach are different. There's very much a crossover and you can also build if you're, if you're good at the organizational stuff and kind of understanding your own limitations and time management and stuff, you can build an organization where you can keep essentially being the coordinator. This is what Kyle did in San Francisco, especially early. He's, he's given off some pieces as time has gone away but like he set it up so that, or like when Sean got to uh, LA, right? He hired Wade Phillips because Sean needed to be the offensive coordinator. So he hired Wade Phillips to run the defense and to be a top advisor because he knew that Wade had been a head coach before. He could certainly handle the defensive side of the ball. And some of the stuff that Sean didn't want to have to deal with as a head coach, he could pawn off on Wade or on uh, other people on his staff. Same thing with Kevin in Minnesota. Same thing with Kyle in in, um, in San Francisco. Um, I'm sure Steichen has set it up this way in in Indianapolis. Uh, Gannon in Arizona. Like when you get hired because you're the young hot coordinator who's great at coordinating, you don't want to give up that because then one of your best resources isn't being used. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that you know, like a Shane Waldron. Eventually, you know, if he gets a head coaching job. Dude, don't give up the scheme stuff. You're yeah. good at that. Make sure that you uh, you got that covered, uh, or the scheduling guy uh, do the scheduling so that you can dial up some offense. All right, uh, anyway, we're going to pick all the games when we get back, and uh, we'll see if Anthony can stay hot.